definitely human. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey guys, welcome to Back to Earth, a podcast about roots. I'm Charlie May. This is episode 44. It's summer and we are finally planting the other half of the vineyard. I can't even believe it's been a year already. Last year, we didn't get to prepare the ground as we would have liked. We were in a bit of a rush to get it in. Mum wanted me to wait a year, but I said, no, it's going to take four years. I really want to just like get it in so that we can get wine ASAP. Who wouldn't want that? It was a bit touch and go with managing to get the soil as fine as we wanted it to. We thought we'd got it really, really fine. And then our planting company basically said, no, you need to do it again. They came and checked the ground. This year, they are trusting us to get it the same quality as last year. So quite a lot of pressure. So that being said, we didn't lose too many vines last year. I think we've had three of the Solaris that didn't grow. And then we've had a couple, weirdly, of the Sauvignac, which have grown beneath the grafted rootstock. So I think they're going to have to be pulled out, replaced as well, and planted by hand when they come to plant the other half of the field. But otherwise, I'm really, really happy with how everything's looking. I've pruned it all down, so I cut it all back to two buds. And already, they just look incredible. They've grown. There are tiny little grape clusters on there. I'm so, so shocked. Because, I mean, this time last year, they weren't even planted in the ground. And then they just ran. They grew like a meter. We did harvest some grapes, but obviously probably only enough to make one glass of wine. But we've still got them in the freezer I think my thought was that we could compare like year to year or something like the different tastes and things um so I can't believe that we have already got like little grapes growing like tiny I'm talking about like tiny tiny minuscule clusters but there will definitely be grapes coming in in the next couple of months We've had perfect weather so far this year. It's been quite dry. We've just had a bit of rain over the weekend, which has prepared the ground and made it nice and soft. Last year, we subsoiled the whole field and then we sprayed off all the grass We ploughed half the field and then we left the other half. So basically, this is exactly what we should have done last year. Subsoil it, spray it off and then leave it for a year. 
and all the grass clods break down, whereas last year we were fighting against basically giant grass clods. So we have to get it down to 30 centimeters, which is such a deep depth to go in the soil. You don't usually do that unless you're doing something like planting potatoes or something that has a really, really deep rootstock. But we want these vines to last for 20 years. We've made sure that the field has the right nutrients. Lucky for us, I mean, it's been a grass field for 20 years. It hardly needs anything added. I think we added some lime last year and that was it. It's perfect and ready to go. And I think we can see that in the quality of the vines that have grown already. So helping it lie over winter, the frost actually does most of the backbreaking work for you. So you don't have to overwork the ground. So I think last year we were just throwing everything at it, trying to break down the grass clods. Whereas actually, if you just left it over winter, they would break down and compact naturally. So this year already, the ground is looking really, really fine and beautiful. We've got this lovely Devonshire man, Fred. He's come in to help us with his tractor um, as a contractor, basically. And he's come in with a couple of different implements. He rolled it first and then that really freaked me out because I thought no no we don't want to like compact all the soil but now he's come in with a rotivator which has I mean you can imagine the sort of the clues in the title but it has these giant serrated wheels that cut up the soil and it is unbelievable it is like a fine powder it is so so beautiful so that's the noise you can probably hear in the background now I'm just wandering up to have a little look at what he's up to hiding in the shadows So yeah, my notes say I need to harrow it two to three times in April or March. But honestly, I think this rotavator is doing such an incredible job. Fred is really skilled at working in, he's worked a lot of his life in vegetables down on the Braunton Great Field. So he knows how to do, you know, asparagus and potatoes, and he knows how fine you need it for things like salady veg. Just walking up there now to have a look. He needs to go really, really slowly. So actually, I've left him 10 minutes and he's barely done any other field. So maybe I needed to give him a little bit more time. Oh, he's gone really close. We had like a deep furrow beside some of the vines where we'd finished last year and started again this year. And he's managed to break that up, thank goodness, because I could never have gone over it with the mower. We're keeping on top of the weeds this year. They've gone a little bit OTT, but I think I need to go up and like pull them out in between the rows. I think I managed to keep on top of it, but it was just the ones that I couldn't get to with the mower. It's all looking really, really good. I'm so excited to get some vines. So I've picked up a mole shovel, it's called, that I found in the uh, stables. And uh, it's sort of a foot and a half deep. So it's perfect for sort of strolling out and checking how the soil is looking at the deep down levels because we don't want any of that compaction sort of deep down. Okay. Oh my God, it's so fine. I'm like sinking into it. (laughs) He's looking at me thinking, what the hell is she doing? There's no clods, it's beautifully powdery. Give him a cheery wave as he comes past. (laughs) Okay, follow my footprints. Amazing. Time to get out of his way. (laughs) Oh, it's a bit windy in the garden today. Just getting rid of my... Veg scraps in the compost, half the onion leaves blowing across the garden as per. (laughs) So, my cousin very kindly made us a fence to go along the veg garden to keep the chickens out. Before the end of the season, I was quite happy to let the chickens come in and scratch. They were using the greenhouse as their own personal dusting spa. But obviously that is not okay now that it's time to plant the veg in the garden and I don't want them eating and nipping off any of the little seedlings. So now we've got a nice fence 
a nice wooden fence from sort of bits of reclaimed pallet and stuff that he found around the farm. And we've put some wire across it that will keep the little bunnies out as well. Because I did find a bunny in my compost heap and I quickly heaved it over um, a gateway into a field with all the other rabbits so that it wasn't our resident garden rabbit that was going to eat everything. So to give you guys an update on what the veg garden is looking like, I decided not to be too hasty last year and I didn't pull out any of the purple sprouting broccoli and Brussels sprouts that hadn't really performed last year. But actually, at the beginning of this year, they came into their own and I was still harvesting sprouts and I was harvesting purple sprouting broccoli for the first time. That then went over and everything bolted pretty quickly. And then all these beautiful yellow flowers came out and there are these giant yellow flower bushes now that are absolutely covered in bumblebees. Um, See if I can find one buzzing around. So I was really pleased that I wasn't too hasty in ripping everything up. I think you can be a bit too tidy in the garden and just want to like have bare earth. But one thing I've learned about soil health is that in order to lock up carbon, you need to have things growing in the ground all the time. You can't just have bare soil exposed to the elements all winter. Otherwise, it's going to lose a lot of its nutrients. So to walk you guys through the garden... The raspberry beds have sprung into action. I put a lot of compost in them at the end of last year and they're sort of grown a couple of feet high. The tabery bush is absolutely covered in flowers and bumblebees at the moment. As you continue to walk down, I managed to clear the strawberry bed. So all the little runoffs, I was so bad last year at cutting any of the runners off. So they sort of sprung in the path in the next door bed everywhere. But I pulled up any that were sort of in the way. That is totally in flower and there's tiny little strawberries coming so it'll soon be time that I need to cover it with mesh because the birds are going to realise that it's there and it's going to be a race against time. At the lower end of the garden, the vegetables that I had planted last year have bolted and they're these huge brassica yellow flower bushes that are absolutely teeming with bumblebees. I'm so, so happy. Last year, there didn't tend to be that many bumblebees in the garden and I couldn't understand why. But I suppose when you're growing vegetables, that's the kind of pre-flower stage. So the bumblebees aren't going to be attracted coming anywhere near them. There's obviously a few vegetables that need to be pollinated in order to flower, which are my cubita pipo. I learned that from last year. So all the cubita pipo, uh, so all the courgettes and the butternut squash, similar to the tomatoes, the flowers need to be pollinated in order to create fruit. Whereas the brassicas, the fruit comes first after you plant them uh, or the vegetables come first and then it seeds later. So it's super beautiful, teeming with bumblebees. I'm waiting for it to go over and then I'm going to pull everything out and start planting directly in the soil. So last year, I obviously did a super traditional bed where I turned over all the soil, created a fine tilth and planted everything in. But there's obviously been a huge move online as to doing a no-dig flower garden. I had the perfect site to do this in between the two raspberry bushes. The soil is like concrete. We've never used it for vegetables. We walk in between the raspberry beds all the time. And so it was the perfect opportunity for me to utilise the space and create a no-dig vegetable garden. (laughs) So... So last year, uh, at the end of the autumn, I laid down sheets of cardboard and what you do is you soak the cardboard with water and then you put compost on top of that. And then I had a mound of earth in the garden in that patch that we were going to roll over anyway. So I spread that on top. And then any molehill that I found in the field, I would just chuck it over the uh, wall and use that as well to create kind of a really nice mix of soil. There was also some builder sand I found. I chucked that in. So there's a real mix. 
And so this week I've taken off the layer of weeds. There are only a few weeds growing in the top and I'm ready to plant my veg in. I've been hardening off all my cabbages and onions. I've decided I probably, looking back on it, should have done more layers of cardboard. I think you can do three to five layers. I only did one. And I'm amazed that already it's kind of mulched away. You can barely find any cardboard when I dug down to uh, take out the weeds. So because of that, I don't think I've got a particularly deep no-dig garden. I could have gone deeper. So I'm not going to plant anything that's a root vegetable. I'm not going to do carrots or parsnips. I'll save that for other areas of the garden. I'm going to plant everything that grows upwards. So all my onions and leeks, cabbages, cauliflowers, things like that. Um, so I'm going to get my little trowel and start planting. Yeah, the chicken is not happy. She's not coming in. So I think what I've decided to do is create a barrier in between the two raspberry beds because I'm worried there's going to be lots of slugs and snails hiding. Basically, they're all hiding in the wall. They're all hiding in the raspberry bed. So I'm trying to keep them away from my veg as much as possible. I don't think it's brassicas that they love. I don't think they enjoy chomping on onions. At least they haven't tried yet as I've been bringing them on in the greenhouse. So I'm going to plant a row of onions around the edge and I'm going to keep my brassicas in the centre. So hopefully there'll be like an onion shield uh, to stop the little snails Dig a nice little hole, and you guys know how it goes. I've got three onions per pot. I don't know if I don't know if I should be splitting them up a bit. Maybe it, nice. There's three little baby onions in already. Get rid of any big stones. Chickens are all watching me intently from the gateway. <laughs> Oh, so I finished um, planting all my seedlings in the no-dig garden. It took me a lot longer than I was expected. I've literally been out here for hours, all afternoon, all day pretty much. Um, I didn't manage to get in as much as I'd hoped. I couldn't fit the leeks in. Basically, I've got a row of red onions, a row of cabbages and a row of white onions. And when I say a row, there's like three or four rows within that section. And I'm so happy with how the no-dig garden looks already. Basically, in our walled vegetable garden it is an old farm building plot like 100 years ago it would have been the farm buildings and the stables onto the farmhouse so the soil quality isn't actually that good when I dug over everything last year to turn back into a veg garden I didn't see a single worm anywhere which is a bit disconcerting and when I was doing the no dig patch, I found so many worms everywhere. I think they're really loving the cardboard. And then not only that, but obviously I used all the compost that I made last year. And in the compost were so many worms. Back then, the chickens were allowed in the veg garden. So they ate a few of the worms. But I tried to save as many of the worms as I could. And I found loads of baby worms in amongst all the compost, loving all the cardboard that was in the deep layer. And so, yeah, I'm very hopeful that this is going to be an amazing plot and I definitely want to continue doing it on next year. So now that I'm making my own compost, I'll continue spreading that on the other patches as the years go on. I've got one in the making now, but it's not quite ready to spread and hopefully just improve the soil quality. One thing mum suggested, which I think might be a good idea, is nabbing some of the soil from the vineyard where we rotivated it. There's like a long headland where the tractor needs to turn on either side of where the vines are. 
And so the vines aren't going to be planted there and it's just going to go back to being a field. And so there's quite a lot of just amazing soft soil. The quality of the soil up there is just incredible. So, so fertile compared to what we have down here in the veg garden. So mum suggested that I get the telehandler and I scoop some up and we sort of nab some for the garden. So yeah, I'm definitely up for doing that. It's so windy today. The weather doesn't know what it's doing. One minute it's raining, one minute it's sunny. Last night it was so windy. Mum and I ran to like pull all the furniture in, tie things down. It was just going absolutely bonkers. And then um, literally an hour later it all cleared up again. So that's the Atlantic winds for you. Mum's been helping me weed a patch in the garden where the weeds have taken over and it should be ready to plant seeds directly out. So now I have got uh, lettuce to go in. Uh, I've got sunflowers, which I'm really excited to do this year the chickens love some sunflower seeds and i just think they're so pretty and the bees love them and everything we've got so much rhubarb growing in the garden i never quite know what to do with it we don't have a particularly sweet tooth but i found this recipe online to make rhubarb and ginger gin it just needs to ferment in the bottle for three to four weeks which isn't very long at all and just in time for summer so actually uh, the rhubarb has sort of blown over it's gone a little bit flat so it definitely needs rescuing i've got a knife here to cut God, I need 500 grams. That's quite a lot. That looks about 500 grams to me. Right. Um, I'll just chop off another one for good measure. Hello, Chooks. Ever patient? Okay, so I'm in the kitchen. I've already weighed out some raspberries. So I've got a litre of gin. Uh, you need 250 grams of raspberries, some grated ginger, and I think 250 grams of sugar. So I've got all that. So I just need to chop my rhubarb. And then it's literally just chuck it all in the jars and then shake every two or three days for three or four weeks. Some of this is quite big. So um, I'm chopping it into sort of one centimetre cubes. And then I'm going to chop it again uh, down the middle. Okay, so I have just cut 500 grams of rhubarb. Now to pour the gin and fill everything in. So we've got some frozen raspberries from the garden from last year. Getting them everywhere. It's a good thing mum isn't here to see me. Now I need 250 grams of sugar. God, I need a funnel. And the ginger, and then that is literally it. I really hope this tastes good. It's just gonna be the first batch, and so we can alter it as we go. It did say if you want more sugar, you know, depending on your sweet tooth. I don't have a huge sweet tooth, and especially as I pair it with some ginger ale anyway, I don't think it needs any more. So lid on. Let's give it a shake. Yes! 
Oh my God, it looks amazing. I am so excited for summer to be around the corner and to be drinking our own rhubarb and ginger gin. Let me know if you guys decide to make this recipe as well. I will share it online. Gin o'clock, baby. Rhubarb into gin, grapes into wine. What else can I turn into alcohol? Let's find out together. In the meantime, you can follow us on Instagram at Back to Earth Podcast, on Twitter at Back to Earth Pod, and on TikTok at Back to Earth Charlie. Music is by John Day, artwork is by Eric Chow, and this episode was edited by David Knight. Thank you guys always, and of course, thank you for listening. If you want to support Back to Earth, you can rate and review the show on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. And check us out on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash definitely human. Back to Earth is a definitely human production. Okay, bye! Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.